0: Ali Ali, here's Lucas Moura, oh they've it! Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are, of course, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. It's a big episode today. I feel like I say that every week, but it really is this week. We have not one, not two, but three games to look back on one in the FA Cup, two in the league. And, of course, we are previewing the big one, the one we're all terrified of Arsenal at our stadium, the North London Derby. And to help me look at all four of those games and more as always is Elio and Dave I'm gonna come to Elio first Elio welcome back for another episode there's been a whole load of spurs lots of ups lots of downs um how are you feeling if it's possible to summarize it at the moment
1: um we're
2: coming off the back of two victories so I'm feeling a lot better than if we'd recorded a week ago um (laughs) yeah yeah, it's it's more pleasant speaking now um I think generally I'm in a bit of a place of let's see how the foreseeable future goes because we've got a few big games coming up and then I'll know how I feel. Right now I'm feeling... Not relaxed, but I'm feeling like I'm not desperate yet. But mm. the next few weeks could dictate a lot of that mood, so uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm in a very much uh, you're on the fence sitting zone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for you're, once I am on the fence. You're,
0: you're reserved, that is not like you, I must say. And you're, you're reserving judgment until we mm. see what, what kind of Spurs we see against Arsenal, I guess. Yeah, it's probably safe to take that stance. Dave, Elio there. I think you also mentioned it in the group. It may have been a very different podcast had we recorded this a little sooner, given <laughs> some of the, the doom and gloom that follows particularly the Villa game um, how much Spurs have you been watching and what's your assessment of what you've seen um, how much Spurs have I been watching <laughs> you can be honest honest We're all honest truth
1: well, one of the games is on at the same time as the Leeds game, so zero. Yep. One of the games was against Portsmouth, so zero. <laughs> and I got to the Villa game too late to really enjoy it. I think I don't so think I no- I don't think I noticed that until it was too <laughs> until it was two nil <laughs> and I and I kind of moved away from it. So so the short answer is not a lot. Um yep. but I have done my homework and I have watched some highlights and I do have some input. Uh yep. so you know, apologies. In so so the usual mm. then
0: basically is what you're saying, Dave, Yeah. The usual, yeah. Yep. So, earlier yeah, it's been a strange up and down time. I think we're, we're kind of calling back to last season a little bit now. I think this whole season has just been bad first half, good second half. Whereas we, we mm. for a minute, we went back to just our early Conte days of win, loss, win, loss, and we had a pretty mm. horrible result against Villa, followed by um, a game that we are going to talk about—the Palace win four nil, lovely game there. But let's talk about the Villa game first, as much as we'd like to pretend it didn't happen. First of all, where does that rank among the biggest disappointments of the season for you? Because I know you were pretty disheartened throughout. That game.
2: I think it's probably between that and the game at the Everett's in terms of the biggest disappointment of the yeah. season so far. I think the thing is with the Villa game is that it was the most un Conte Spurs performance we've had so far in yeah. that. The first half, I actually thought we played relatively well. We pressed well. I actually thought that at half-time we looked the best team and were potentially a bit unlucky not to be winning. But we conceded that goal, and it was just like our confidence went completely. Loris made a horrible mistake, as you he know. Did. And off the back of that, it just seemed to seep through the rest of the team in front of him, which is often the way when keepers make mistakes, I'm afraid. Mm. and Especially when that keeper is your captain and most experienced and celebrated player. So I feel like we just kind of... Lost some good momentum we built up in the first half off the back of that and went to pieces a bit and that was almost like old Spurs and when I say old Spurs I don't mean pre Conte Spurs I mean like the Spurs that once upon a time Howard Webb gave that dodgy penalty at Old Trafford <laughs> when we were a couple of goals up and then we lost 5-2 yeah. or 3 or whatever it is the Spurs that lost their heads when Hoddle was in charge and we were 3-0 up at half time and then yeah. Verón had his one good game for Manchester United and we lost 5-3 in the second half that's what yeah. it felt like against Villa like one bad moment Okay. <laughs> killed what was actually an upward trajectory. And that was really disappointing. That was almost worse than the slow starts and strong finishes because it really felt like the one thing we have kind of lent on this season, our character, just wasn't Mm. there. And it's kind of understandable. We did say that we can't keep going behind. It's going to bite us in the arse at some point. Consider that arse bitten. And who knows, maybe because it's happened relatively early in the season, it was a good thing because it gave Conte the impetus to give
0: them a bit of a rocket. It was the Spurs that we're all going to be telling our therapists about, isn't it? That Spurs, the old the old Spurs that we all tried to forget. I had a bit of a weird feeling at half time because we managed to get to half time without actually mm. conceding, which we've not done in a long time, and sadly it wasn't to be the case in the second half. But there was a weird part of me thinking, you know what, considering how badly some of our first halves have gone, I'll take that, and now we've got to be favourites <laughs> to win if we do anything like what we have been doing in the second halves. And and it didn't happen, but there were still boos at half time, if I'm not mistaken. Were you booing? And did you hear much of that? And do you think that was harsh at that point? points in the game?
2: I wasn't booing I did hear it and I thought it was daft I don't actually mind a bit of a boo at full time by the way but booing at any point during the match it's not helpful is it? it doesn't help in this life it's f***ing stupid and the thing that gets me is the motives for the boo what gets me is the fact that they weren't really booing because the first half was bad, because we've had much worse first halves. They were booing because Arsenal are doing well, and because it's the transfer window, and Conte's meant a bit of a Conte-ish couple of comments about sort of the boards, and they were trying mm. to send a message to the board, basically, with the booing. And I just... Yeah. I guess... Yes, I get the frustration with the boards. I think you're well aware that right now, this second, and I kind of need January to get me out of this mindset. I'm one of those that has kind of joined the we can't go any further with Enoch bandwagon. I'm, I yeah. don't like using phrases like Enoch out and Enoch in, like Enoch out, who the f- someone needs to buy us. So, yes. But I do. I had yeah. kind of thought, can we do any better while these guys are in charge lately? But at yeah. the same time- And we'll get on to that. Demonstrate it in other ways. Booing at halftime when the sole purpose of you being being there is trying to support your team to win it does no good it's just going to shoot the confidence of the players it's just going to create a toxic atmosphere it's going to make them scared to play proactively in case they mistake. it does nothing at all and and I
0: really yeah obviously yeah. I didn't join in and I will happily condemn those who do do it I just I don't yeah. like it at all fair enough well it certainly didn't get much better in the second half who knows whether the booing had anything to do with that but it was a pretty disappointing hmm. outcome in the end Dave I know you've watched the extended highlights and studied them in depth <laughs> as you always do as a true professional where did they go wrong for Spurs because we had a lot of possession not so many touches in the opposition half and I think Kane took about 20 minutes to even touch the ball if I'm not mistaken which is pretty ridiculous but from what you've seen what was the story in that game and where did it all go wrong
1: well it's very difficult isn't it to come back when you concede such a sucker punch in the way that they did um, yeah, in that yeah. in that Uriese spillage, and it's a shame. You know, and it's also it was also called by like every Tottenham fan after he had a blinding World Cup. It was like, yeah, watch him spill one in <laughs> the first couple of games. Yeah, and he absolutely delivered. He did make an absolutely top save against Palace at 0 nil. So that that you know, oh yeah, you know, we we'll, we'll it's, 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 it's not like it's not like he's a terrible goalkeeper. I think he had, he had a great and, game actually, it, exactly. But I think as soon as that happens, and I think especially with the fact that it was 0 nil at half time and mm. I know that there were boos and and whatever, but but ultimately kind of what we've been saying is it's like bad first half good second half this was not good first half bad second half so it was Mm. against the kind of standard what you'd expect from Spurs at the moment yeah which I think is probably the most immoralizing thing I reckon that's probably what the Spurs players felt because it must rub off on them it must rub off on Mm. them the fact that they're not performing well in the first half and they are in the second half and they must have thought Okay, we haven't conceded a goal in the first yeah. half. This mm. is better than it's been for the past yeah. 10 games. Yeah. Let's push on in the second half. And then
0: that happens. The first, and yeah. it's like, oh. And the first thing that happens is their captain involved? makes a howler and exactly. somebody says, it's a bit of a kicker.
2: It's a bit like when you have a bogey team, even if it's a team that's worse than you in that given moment. You never quite understand why you keep losing to that team, but you just do. Different players, different managers, whatever, on both sides. There's something that gets itself ingrained in the jitteriness with the crowds, the reputation with the players that just kind of impacts it. So what Dave's saying there, I think, is absolutely spot on. All of a sudden, like the players have this kind of, ooh, we've played better than usual at halftime now and mm. we're still not winning and then Larousse makes that mistake in his first game back after the World Cup
0: it's like oh my god mm. what do we do now? I must admit like we said earlier Elio that it felt very un unspurs or of recent times I-, I felt that a lot and it's the first time I can remember in a long time where I had this feeling that used to be pretty commonplace in watching spurs where by the end of the game I almost didn't care I didn't really mm. have any hope I just thought why am I even watching I've not had that feeling I guess felt- I've had a lot of negative it thoughts this season but I've never thought why am I bothering watching because there's always that parking we could come back in yeah you did you said so yeah yeah. And, and that's that's not like us. And you have to feel, I mean, obviously the evidence so far since then suggests that it was a blip and it's an exception and it's not going to be the new look Spurs. But, but yeah, it wasn't nice to see. And obviously after the goal, there was another goal, which was a bit of a shambles in itself. Dave, you've seen the second goal. One of those that we've had a few of recently where it's hard to know who to really blame because there's a few culprits. I think Basuma was one that Jamie Redknapp called out in punditry for not tracking his man. He's had a bit of a, a shaky few games we could say but what did you make of the Douglas Luiz goal
1: I feel like that's I mean Redknapp is, is Redknapp a Spurs fan He certainly a Spurs no. sympathizer no, no Jamie Redknapp hates he Spurs. hasn't got over he a sacking his dad all right okay all yeah. right well well I, I I think it's a bit harsh yeah to be honest signalling anybody out yes Kane lost the ball didn't he initially mm. I think it was but that McGinn through ball is
0: excellent yeah it's the kind of mm. goal McCain's that you, a good
1: player. You, you. It's the kind of goal that if you'd have scored that, you wouldn't be talking about mistakes that the other team have made. You'd be talking about the through ball and the finish from Luis, which was also excellent. Yeah. You know, he had, I a think lot that's to, he had a fair bit to do. I don't think that's a goal they should be pointing fingers and getting the daggers out for anybody. To be honest, I, I yeah. think I think that was uh, you lost the ball when the ball was, as the World Cup stats would tell you, in contest, and <laughs> uh, and then and then McGinn got it and played an absolutely glorious through ball to Luis, who had a lot to do and finished it really well. I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that
0: and to be fair to Elio you did call out McGinn as a danger man particularly for his through balls last week I think he is
2: one of the Premier League's top all-round midfielders I Mm. think you can play him in a two-man and a three-man I really really like John McGinn I hate him do you, know you hate him because he screwed you when you were both in the championship
1: no i hate him because he went two feet on archie gray in a friendly okay, that, in australia in the summer that's a good reason
0: archie gray is 16 just just to clarify oh. for everybody who doesn't know speaking of horrific challenges at least matty cash didn't do any more damage to any of our players we can take that small well victory. he didn't have enough time on the pitch did he <laughs> no no exactly do you know what the biggest cheer of the whole game was from what i could see on tv elio any idea it was son. Game it was son removing his mask and throwing it to the ground. Sadly Fair it didn't enough. come to anything. There was a part of me thinking, right, here we go. He's about to go full superhero mode now. He he means business. He's taken off he the was mask. He's making
2: an excuse for yet another bad touch.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably more more along the lines of, of what it was. Cuz that is usually how superheroes work. They, they take, take the mask off, their off mask. and then they're better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like Superman's not cutting it. I'm going to try as Clark Kent. Actually, that doesn't work either, does it? My analogies are all over the place today. Moving swiftly <laughs> you're, you're on. You're on we're going to sweep that one under the rug. <laughs> (laughs) Um, Do you think there's any credit due to I Am Real to Villa? Because it's too easy, I think, as Spurs fans to just say, oh, we should be beating these guys because we're Spurs and we're brilliant and we have Harry Kane. But do you think we need to give some credit to a very organised, solid 4-4-2 that managed the game out well and did what they had to
2: do? They were very organised. They did manage the game well. They played the game on their terms. And while they were fortuitous to not be behind at half time, ultimately their mindset was... Let's go for the point and try and nick a win. Mm. They did. And the second they got the one and we lost our heads a bit, we played right into their hands. So, well done. I mean, I said before Unai Emery is a good manager. Yep. Dave said Villa have a much better chance with Unai Emery as manager than Steven Gerrard. And so it transpired to be. Because,
1: um, they were yeah, an I'm, excellent I'm,
0: prediction. I'm who gen- knew? Dave, Dave knows his, his shit. Sh- <laughs>
1: yeah, who knew? Um, <laughs> I'm generally worried. I'm generally worried. I mean, uh, also, if you noticed Lopetegui at Wolves and Emery at Villa played out a very well contested draw in midweek as well and I'm getting worried that all of Leeds relegation rivals mm. are getting good managers. Hopefully Everton will stay managers. You know what Leeds round. need?
2: <laughs> you need Juan de Ramos. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, um there's been a few there's been a few uh Mentions of Mr. Pochettino. Oh, Lovely.
0: of course. I mean, yeah, he'd be yeah. perfect for you, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be Spurs bound in the summer, I'm afraid. Yeah, it may well be. It may well be. It certainly seems to be I'm a common theory. I'm not sure anyone theory. knows how to
2: feel about that. I don't know if to be happy or sad about that. I just know that it seems like yeah. it's on the cards. All I know
0: is that, that we will have to dedicate an entire podcast to discussing it if and when it ever happens. So watch this space.
2: Yeah, we can save the conjecture. We can leave that till later, but um, yeah. yeah.
0: Second biggest cheer of the game was probably in the 88th minute when Jed Spence came on, which is actually, would you believe, his earliest Premier League appearance so far, the 88th minute. I'd left by that point. Yeah, there you go. So you weren't part of that cheer, but I also don't blame you for leaving. But more on uh, Spence and his youth colleagues in a little bit, because uh, we've had quite a few notable appearances from some of our youngsters in the following game. So let's move on to the following games then, shall we? Let's talk about the game that we really do want to talk about, because it was it was the best one. It was lovely win. 4-0 against Palace and one thing we didn't touch on actually in the Villa game is that we were missing a certain Mr Kulusevski and of course we've talked about how important he is and it seems like every other week when it's not Kane it's him as our best player mm. we didn't miss him in that game now Elio I don't know about you but I was surprised I didn't think we were capable of scoring four goals <laughs> home or away without Kulusevski in the team were you surprised at how well we looked going forward
2: We did look really good. I mean, first half against Palace was kind of back to the traditional content of bad first half, good second half. (laughs) But I guess what I'd say is, and a bit of I guess an amuse boost to when we do a bit more of a youth discussion in a few minutes Brian Hill in the Villa game started off a bit headless chicken but the more he saw of the ball the better he got yeah. and unfortunately by the time we conceded he never really saw the ball again after that yeah. but then in the Crystal Palace game it's sort of the birth of Brian Hill for Spurs and he actually really yeah. for the first time made me not miss Kluzevski I mean he's obviously not as good yeah. yet but he was passing well he was brave on the ball he was running at people he was really linking things up and yes there's a bit of a lack of end product in a way and there's a bit of kind of erraticism but the guy is obviously still learning life at the top level whereas Kuliszewski we signed after a few years at Juventus but it was a very quick kind of ascent when he's finally got a couple of starts in the right it was really lovely to see so he was a big reason why our attack looked so good in second half at least against Villa the other part is we saw Harry Kane the number 10 not the, I know he scored two goals but we actually saw Kane the 10 not the number 9 against Villa. Mm. and I'm more and more convinced that actually the way Kane plays for England is probably the way he should be playing for us the dropping deep the getting on the ball and turning and putting someone through yeah. don't get me wrong I love Kane the number 9 but I actually think he almost gets more chances as the false nine than the traditional line when he does drop a bit deeper because he ends up actually linking play up which then ends up with the ball getting to the box for him when when he's the pure nine whether Mm. it's for England or for Spurs the rest of the team just isn't quite good enough to put it on a plate for him yeah we
0: joke about we wish we could have him in both positions playing balls into Mm. himself but he almost has been doing that in a way hasn't he like I mean jumping ahead to the goal against Portsmouth which was a lovely goal and we get onto it he started it out from fairly deep and wide and played Mm. the ball in came in made a one-two and scored the goal and and maybe that's what we need to see maybe it is time for Kane to just accept that he needs to play two roles at once the other thing against
2: Crystal Palace is that Palace are an attacking side I mean their front four of Elisa Zaha Eberuchieze and Jordan Ewu they are a good front four they're all fast technical strong players who give a lot of hassle to defenders but because they know they have a good front four and they've got Solomon field Zakura is obviously a really good player they play a slightly higher line they are quite aggressive and mm. because of that there was that space in behind to exploit I really want us to, to be able to start picking off the teams that do defend deep then not just the teams that play into our hands and Palace did play into our hands a bit
0: you mentioned Brian Hill he was involved briefly in the first goal he was involved more heavily in the second goal we'll get on to that but let's talk about the first goal first let's work through it's always fun when we get to go through goal by goal and enjoy uh, retrospectively <laughs> our, our lovely, exactly, our lovely um, attacking work and this is the part where I know Dave's at least seen the goal so he can comment so Dave another assist for Perisic Hill yeah. involved again Kane getting on the end of it especially five assists for even Perisic this year and only De Bruyne, Saka and Ericsson in the league have more than him this year what have you made of his contribution to Spurs I know we talked about him before and also what do you make of that goal overall? I think is doing what we anticipated him doing, mm. to be honest, when he got into
1: the team. The only thing that I think is not maybe as, as high as I thought might be the case, although that, that said, I have seen a couple of instances where he has kind of grabbed people and had a conversation with them when I have watched Spurs Live. Is that, that kind of influence, that older, mm. that, yeah. that, you know, elder statesman influence that, that he can have, You know, like grabbing Hill or someone who's maybe made some mistakes and just, and just pointing them in the right direction and telling them what to do when they're on the pitch? And I think that's a big benefit and maybe that's something more that's to come but in yeah. terms of what he can provide it's exactly what i anticipated to be honest mm-hmm. I, I thought he'd bag the assist and i thought he'd be an important player for you so what a cross it was as well yeah lovely it is but there's still a lot of work to do at the back stick for kane you know he's, he's not on his own there he's, he's got mm. he's got company and he's got to outmuscle it and he, and he did something similar against villa when he had a, a challenge for a header and he had to get it on target and he did get it on target but ashley headed off the line i think yeah, yeah so yeah. i think so i think you know it's, it's probably an underestimated element of kane's game yeah. is the fact that he is so he, he rough can it. he can he can rough it up with anybody, and he can get right there at the back stick and get it in the yeah. get it in and the goal. So I think that's uh, what uh, yeah, kind of going. frustrates me about a lot of
2: our play. When you've got a player as good in tight spaces and under pressure as Kane, sometimes don't wait for him to be unmarked to get him the ball. Mm. Just zip it into him at pace and let him do something and that's what mm-hmm. Perisic did with that cross Kane was marked it wasn't alright I know it was close up but it wasn't a tap and it's such he had to compete for the header yeah. and a lot of good attacking play unless you're Manchester City who just moves so well that you tear defences apart a lot of good attacking play is about being brave enough to pass it into and cross into someone who's marked and what frustrates me about so much of our play is that we only give it to the guys who are unmarked all the time which just leads yeah. to all the sideways and backwards stuff sometimes just trust that harry kane will be better than the center back yeah. just trust that kulisevsky or hill will be better than the back or son even it doesn't mm. always have to be in space it doesn't always have to be to someone unmarked just give it to someone and give them work to do sometimes because otherwise how do you break up a packed defense
1: yeah you have to have faith in your defensive structure so much so that you can make those quick passes to try and get in and around someone without being Mm. terrified that if you did that and it went wrong you're going to be on the back foot and you're going to be on a full counter and you're going to concede a goal and I think that's the problem you're exactly right Elliot it's that fear factor and you need to be braver and you need to be braver that not only will Kane or Son do something with the ball but also the guys behind you are prepared for you to make that gamble and if Mm. it doesn't pay off they can deal with it and I guess it comes down to where we
2: don't really have the best set of defenders, barring Romero, where our goalkeeper, who used to be the best in the world, coming off his line and playing sweeper-keeper, now doesn't really have the bravery to do it anymore because he's lost that lick of face. So I guess it all emanates back to that. But I guess it still would be nice to kind
1: of not play the percentages all the time and just go for it. But I do think it's worth mentioning... That at nil nil, I've already mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. At nil nil, in the same way that it was nil nil against Villa, and he dropped a clanger. Mm. Joris made an absolutely top save, except oh, yeah, that, that could have been, been a difference. Yeah, and, and, you know that was that game was in the balance at that point and he made that save and you pushed away in the second half. Oh, what could have been?
2: (laughs) It wasn't the the only save either. I mean, I I always felt myself... I really heavily criticised him after the Villa game. I really did go in with, okay, you know what? I think I'm just going to have to accept that I can't stand up for this guy at the moment. And then he pulls out a worldy of a performance in the first half against Palace. I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe that was a bit
0: harsh. He's embodying Spurs a little bit in himself isn't he at the moment? Um, Elio, I've given you the honour of talking about our second goal because I know you particularly enjoyed that one hill was great in that goal kane was even better talk to me about the second Mm. goal
2: i mean the whole move first of all was really really lovely getting up to their penalty area but the way that hill took the ball and had the bravery to play it in between those two defenders because either of them could have nicked it and it would have looked like a tough pass but he went for it he went for the spot that kane was pointing to and then it looks like an unbelievable pass when in fact it's actually I mean it is a great pass to execute it, yeah. but it's also in my mind what you should be doing in that situation. You shouldn't be worried about losing the ball to someone's left back ten yards away from their goal. That shouldn't be a concern. You shouldn't worry, am I going to concede from this? You should try and make that pass. You yeah. should be prepared to lose it there, because then you make that pass, you get it right, Kane picks it up and he just shoots for the bottom corner the way he does. He yeah. he goes for the corner of the goal. And no goalkeeper in the world has a chance of that. Like peak Gordon Banks and say that that is just that is just an exceptional shot and an exceptional move and there's no criticism of Crystal Palace's defence in that that is a perfect goal for me
0: I do wonder what was technically the the smallest margin for error with those two aspects of the goal the pass and the finish because both of them had really really tight angle to get through low XA low XG I'd I'd love to know the XG on that I'm sure someone somewhere can tell me I'm, I'm slightly disappointed I haven't looked it up myself but either way absolutely lovely shot across goal from Kane and of course it was his second of the game Mm. in what was his 300th game for Spurs and he's now only one goal off of our all-time goal-scoring record held of course by Mm. by Jimmy Greaves Uh, another interesting comparison of course he he will overtake Greaves it's inevitable at this point hopefully against Arsenal but more on that Um, but what it does mean is that at the same milestone Alan Shearer who of course Mm. he's constantly compared to chasing down his Premier League record he now has two more goals than Alan Shearer did at the 300 game mark which is very interesting does. And it's the first time he's ever been ahead of Alan Shearer in terms of uh, respective Do you know what obliterates that marks? completely
2: in Kane's favour? What obliterates that completely mm. is that 17 of Shearer's goals were scored in three years of Division One before the Premier League began, when he played a hell of a lot of games in those three years for Southampton. Mm. So actually, if we're just talking top flight goals, Kane is way ahead in terms of goals per game. In terms of Premier League, Kane is just ahead. In terms of overall top flight goals, Kane is absolutely way ahead. And yes, then you have the caveat of Kane starts at 21, Shearer at 17, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Kane's with Spurs, Shearer's with Southampton. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, in my mind, even if he doesn't break Shearer's record, though I think he will, whether it's for us or someone else, hopefully for us, I already think Kane has proven himself a better player and a better forward than Alan Shearer And was. he has a better hairline as well.
0: Let's, let's leave it at that well <laughs> yeah debatable wow. on that
2: one he just grew it longer
0: so he has more of a cover <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave I'm gonna tag back over to you for the third goal Kane was involved again but he he had enough of scoring at this point he thought he'd get involved in the build up play and it was Mr. Doherto Carlos who put the finishing mm. touch on, on a nice move actually and nice to see Son involved again at this point it was kind of all systems go building on our momentum what do you think of this goal um,
1: exactly what you just said to be honest it was, it was good from Kane it was good from yeah. Son I kind of felt the chance might have gone when Son was dragged a little bit wide but but, you know he's he's a world-class footballer and he picked his head up and he found Doherty and it was a goal. Speaking
0: of Doherty what do you think of him because he's a player that kind of divides Spurs fans I think if you'd ask the average Spurs fan what you think of him they'd probably just say please him over Emerson Royale and the bar is set quite low (laughs) in that regard but I don't think many see him as the long-term solution but what do you make of him as a player both from his time at Wolves and, and from what you've seen of him at Spurs do you think he's kind of you know top six material? Not really, no. I think even if Leeds signed him as a
1: right-back, I'd be overwhelmed, to be honest. I think he's a perfectly adequate... He'll do a job. He'll do a job for anyone. And he's doing a job for you. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think I'm going to give a bit of an apology for Matt Doherty in relation to what Dave just said. I agree that he's a limited player. I definitely agree that anyone signing him would be a bit like, really? But at the same time, I think with Conte, and specifically with Conte, more than any other manager... And that's why I really want the transfer window to go well, because I don't think it needs the glam signings to go mm-hmm. well, as Kulusevkin again been of corporate a year ago. I think with Conte, it's all about who fits the system. Yeah. And Doherty fits the system. Conte won the league with Victor Moses at right wing yeah. back. Now, Doherty's not great. He's better than Victor Moses. Yeah. Um I just think that Doherty suits the system, and therefore, when he's fully fit... And because of the understanding he has with Kulisevsky, with Kane, he has a really good understanding with Kane, by the way. Mm. And also with Romero, when Romero plays, it works really well. The downside of this is that it really is predicated on us having a fully fit complement of players, because the mm. second you push him out for Emerson, who, without wanting to hammer a guy who's not even really played the last couple of games, just isn't a good fit for it, and that's all I'm going to say on him. Yeah, uh, It exposes how stylistic... Conte's system is how style dependent it is yeah. as opposed to personnel like I think you could almost take I don't know who do we say is an absolutely unbelievable right back in the league you could say reshape yeah, who Rhys is Shades. clearly the best attacking right back in the league and you could put him in our system and you know what he probably would work in a Conte system but just for argument's sake let's say there's something that he lacks that Conte needs let's say it's I don't know a link up thing or a movement off the ball thing mm. and all of a sudden the system would fall apart Conte's yeah. far more for Conte is so much more about the off the ball work and yeah. being players being in the right place at the right time than it is about the skill level and the athleticism and I think that's why it will be frustrating if we go transfer window without Conte getting what he wants because I don't actually think Conte needs superstars, I just think he needs good fits.
0: Yeah, well we'll get on to that, let's let's talk about some potential options in, in transfer window briefly albeit in a moment, but we've still got one more
2: I want to talk about goal number four. We've still I got one goal more goal four.
0: to talk about, I was, I was just about to ask you Elio and I was curious to hear what your thoughts were out of son's goal and kane's second which one did you enjoy more
2: sons and do you know why yeah. because it's the one where players did one player in particular and i'm going to go back to brian hill a bit yeah it's why they did something that you don't necessarily something that makes you think oh my god you did that That i like that let's see some more <laughs> son all right it was a heavily deflected shot yeah almost an og it was not no quite, wonder goal let's let's be honest and Kane's pass—it was definitely not the hardest pass Kane has ever played. He lobbed it over for Son to run onto. Like any player with half a brain should be able to pull that off. I'd, I'd, I'd hope that Dial would pull it off. Quite frankly. Brian Hill the ball came in it got headed down by I think Kane and mm. Brian Hill played, used actually strength Brian Hill is not strong but he used a bit of <laughs> strength to hold his defender off and play a one touch pass straight back to Kane he didn't try and turn on the ball and run forwards which would be his instinct normally as a bit of a slight dribbly quick player yeah. he just played that little one layoff pass back to Kane for them. Kane to chip over the first time yeah. and I absolutely love it because it just showed so much intelligence and Contes compared him to a bit of a young Bernardo Silva in that respect in sort of the mm. way he kind of is aware of the game around him and he showed that in that moment more than his assist i think he showed it in that moment because he saw that you know what i don't need to be the guy that plays the final pass i don't need to be the guy that does the electric thing the clever thing here to do will be to give it back to kane who's got a bit of space and i can see son running off so he touched it back to kane kane obviously knew what to do because he's world class Mm -hmm. and son ran onto it and that is the sign of a potentially world class player because the players that end up world class Aren't necessarily the ones who initially shine because of their talent and their athleticism. You see the talent initially, and you hope the athleticism will come when they get older and they build up. It's the ones that you see early game awareness and intelligence. And I mean, that's what Kevin De Bruyne is about. You don't see Kevin De Bruyne being either brilliantly athletically, or you know what? As much as the passes he pulls off are unbelievable, you wouldn't say De Bruyne has the same technique levels as a Gareth Bale or a Cristiano Ronaldo or uh, Eden Hazard but because he's so clever in everything he does Mm -hmm. he makes hard things look simple and Hill did that in that moment and I'm not saying Hill's a world-class player I'm not saying he's gonna be but it really showed the potential of what he could become if he keeps playing if he keeps getting time it it suddenly made Paratici signing him makes you think yeah Paratici knows what he's doing and the other thing about that is especially given that Hill's now had three consecutive starts, including the cup game. It shows that behind the scenes, he's showing Conte something that's making him trust him. Mm. And that's given him the confidence. Hill didn't play that well against Villa. And yet he got a second stab against Palace and then did play really well. And that shows that he's going in the right direction. And I just think that, if you've got that it takes the pressure off the transfer window in terms of attack a bit Lucas's injuries mean less you don't sh** yourself every time Richarlison and Kulusevski are yep. injured because all of a sudden Conte is beginning to trust a young player mm. and that will fly in the face of a bit of an anti-Conte rhetoric as well which I'm going to talk about in a moment when we talk about the youth players but <laughs> it really was pleasing to see that because he's always been obviously talented and a bit exciting and it just showed that little bit of I guess it showed that maturity yeah. like there's so many tricky wingers in the world that you always think Thank think why didn't you push to the next level after the initial glimpse? Lennon, who I love, you know how much I love Aaron Lennon, for me, he almost justifies the legend tag, maybe not quite, but he almost does, but he was one of my favourite ever players because of how excited he got me and I I think of him so fondly, but there was always that, why didn't he push up to the next level? Why didn't Sean Wright Phillips ever push to the Mm -hmm. next level? Why didn't, even someone like, right, worst player, but even someone like Darius or someone like that, or Gabby Bollard, why didn't they push to, to the next level when they all Obviously had raw attributes. Yep. It's because there was that little bit of big picture missing from what they did. And Hill, in that moment, shows that actually he can do the big picture. He doesn't have to be the final third guy every time. He can
0: see how to pass the glory to someone else. And I just loved watching it. It's almost as if, dare I say, it, Elio, if you give young players a run of games, they can show what they can do. Right? Maybe they need more <laughs> than the odd cameo for ten minutes at the end of a game.
2: Exactly. But you know what? I'm going to cut Conte slack when I discuss our youth a bit. Fair enough. Um, And there's a reason for that. But yeah, I do agree. Sometimes just throw them in at the deep end. And I've said that before. Hill's also the same age, I think, as Kulisevsky. Mm. Kulisevsky is so accomplished that it also makes you think, well, if you're not as good as Kulisevsky, why are you playing? But (laughs) if Conte didn't trust him in that moment, Conte would have just had Perisic up front and Sessignal on that left wing back. Hill has now leapfrog Sessignon in the pecking order of the side so that Conte feels able to keep Perisic in his best role and put Hill in the front three so our shape doesn't change as much which is better for the overall team better for Hill's progression no. and probably good for Sessignon as well to know that he can't
0: just automatically come in when there's injuries in any part of the pitch because he might have to start working for it yeah heaven forbid right do you know what I think he needs I think he needs some of Messi's steroids personally I think Hill needs to beef up a little bit Dave do you reckon Brian Hill reads Twitter do you think he looks and sees all the dispersed fans saying that he needs to beef up every single time he gets on the pitch for more than, than 10 minutes it must get in your head a little bit and more importantly um, I know Elio has just given a very thorough summary of him from the glimpses you've seen do you think he's got a high ceiling do you think that's a talented player from what I've seen I
1: think that I think there's definitely the raw talent to be a player mm. I mean I don't think he needs to go on Twitter to see people saying he <laughs> needs to beef up I'm almost positive that that is going to be the message to him over the summer, yeah. when they actually have a break, it's going to be a case of, you know, you, you, we talk about, you know, you talk about Kevin De Bruyne, you mentioned him earlier. He was a relatively wispy boy mm-hmm. at 1920. He's an absolute tank now, mm, and you yes. can't get him off the ball. And it's not the only thing, but it's a massive factor. Yeah. Being able to not only beef up, essentially, but also not lose what you have yeah. and not lose that ability and to that's be, important. have that yeah. guile and that ability to get to beat a man and, and, and have that first touch that takes you away from somebody yeah. else. If you're not Messi on Maradona, you need to get stronger, and he's you not did, Messi or Maradona. But you know what? Messi's Messi is extremely you strong. Hit to
2: hit. Messi's hips are broader than my shoulders. Like Messi, Messi has a big fat ass. I, yeah, I think it's important not
0: to confuse strength and size and mass with technique, because I think sometimes you're strong without necessarily bulking up. It's
2: about having a strong core. Yeah. It's about having a really strong core. It's it's kind of it's what they work on in things yeah. like Pilates and yoga and stuff. Like it's about yeah. making sure that you're centered really well. Yeah. Something yeah. I absolutely lack is a beer belly, lanky. <laughs> I think stuff. <laughs> right. it's been a while since I've one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but uh, the thing is with Hill that works I guess a little against him compared to a Bernardo Silva I won't say Messi but a David Silva or a De Bruyne is Hill is lanky he's a good 5'11 he's Mm. a tall boy Mm. and he's thin so he doesn't have that natural low center of gravity so he probably does need to broaden at least on the bottom half of his body a bit but I'd hate for him to do it too much because it Mm. can be counterproductive Harry Kane I've always thought Harry Kane is at his very best when he's a little bit leaner and he sacrifices a bit of strength to have that little extra bit of pace on him and that ability just shimmy. And it showed in his goal against Portsmouth. Right now, mm. Adam, Harry Kane looks live. He looks a bit like an 800-meter runner right now. <laughs> and he looks a lot better as the 800-meter runner than the 200-meter runner because yeah. when he bulks up a bit he almost becomes a bit predictable in his movements. Defenders can read his movements a bit more and it becomes a bit telegraphed. When when he's a bit more live, he can actually drink and his footwork comes into play. So yeah, I think Hill does need a bit more strength. I don't want him to have too much more strength because mm. all of a sudden we get into the element of let's have a team of athletes instead of a team of footballers, and I'd always prefer to have a team of footballers. Yeah, I
0: remember you saying something similar about Delhi Ali as a potential explanation for why he fell off—the fact that he maybe mm. bulked up a bit too much and lost some of what gave him that kind of nimbleness. There's limbalness. some of that with Delhi, and I don't want to talk about no, Delhi because he's long. He's, since he's his failing first in Turkey out. now. I think yeah, that's <laughs> sailed. Not even
2: that. Just with Delhi, like. I think he beefed up in a bit of a reaction to losing his hamstrings. He got that one big hamstring injury, which lost him that bit of spring that he had, that meant mid- he always got on the end of Ericsson mm. Crosses, for instance. And then he beefed up, and all of a sudden, yeah, he became predictable in his movements. All the little nut makes he used to do, all the little pirouettes he used to do, were lost because all of a sudden he was carrying an extra stone. And I just think, get a bit stronger, but if there's a way of getting stronger without gaining weight, that would be my preference, yeah. because... These guys, I mean, you look at the biggest, bulkiest footballers, and when you see them in real life next to actually bulky people, they still always look lean. I was always amazed. John Terry, we always think of John Terry as this big, burly centre-half, but when you actually see him sort of just in a suit or next to kind of other athletes from other professions but I'm always amazed at how lean and skinny he actually looks like these guys strength doesn't come from having big muscles and yeah. high protein diets these guys strength comes from knowing how to use their muscles and that is far more effective I must
0: admit I was not expecting a TED talk on bodybuilding and strength training from Elio today of all people exactly. so that, that <laughs> was a turn up for the books and I enjoyed it um, the burger King loving <laughs> alcoholic <laughs> let's let's move on to the FA Cup shall we which is obviously a competition in which we have a rich history and one that I think we'd all love to see us progress in and, mm. and win. And, and Dave, I think you've probably got mixed feelings about it at the moment. But we'll, we'll come yeah, on yeah, to the game against Portsmouth. one no victory. We certainly didn't play a full-strength team, but we did play mm. Harry Kane and Son Heung-min and um, quite a few kids. And we'll get on to talk about their respective performances. But to bring you on to goal seven of the podcast already, Dave, and the last that we're going to discuss, another one for Harry Kane, fit and firing. What did you make of that goal? Did um, you scramble to find it on YouTube? <laughs> no, I've seen it
1: and I can remember it in my mind's eye. Yeah, um, It was Sessignon, wasn't it? That was the ball. Yeah, yeah, basically. he did the layoff. He did a good, it's he did I'm a good board, board impersonation. Uh, 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 good impersonation of a board, uh, which is sometimes what you need to do. And ultimately, you know, I thought he did a job very well. Yeah. We and Kane put it in the bottom corner. I mean, we don't need to talk about this game for a long time, do we? I mean, No. no nah. We two shots on target in the entire game. Yeah. You won 1-0, you're in the second round, you're, you're not Newcastle, you're not Villa. It's not embarrassing
0: move on I thought the goal Have you got if you if, round? if Preston. you indulge me I, I I thought the goal was borderline messiesque and I say that because of the way he played a little one two just dictated the build up to it and then the shot curling into the far corner bit, it was like a, a, a mirror image of Messi except like one of those weird hall of mirror mirrors that makes you look much more so kind of I some on this ungainly game. <laughs> I had some thoughts
2: on this game and none of them are going to be to do with the actual game itself really because, let's face Great. it, it was a 1-0 over a League One side. Yeah, But some thoughts. A week ago, I described Cowley as one of the best young managers in football, and then by the time we played them, he'd got the sack.
0: So <laughs> I probably cursed so we him. So can, we can just scrap everything you said last week, basically, is what we're saying, yeah?
2: <laughs> Pretty no. much. Um, I feel sorry for Bolton fans now with poor old... Oh, God, I've forgotten his name now, but um, their manager, who I also praise in the same breath. <laughs> yeah. Number two, I think... It had a bit of FA Cup romance in our game and that actually Portsmouth really held their own and they didn't look like they were two leagues below us. And I don't even see that as an indictment of us because that's the beauty of the FA Cup. The fact that the smaller teams can actually get up and rub shoulders with the big boys and not seem out of their depth. Yeah. I, I enjoy that. Kane's goal is really beautiful but I'm going to use this as a segue into what you know I really want to talk about yeah. and that's our youth and Let me
0: interrupt you for a second because I just want to read out your tweets on this topic actually I thought it was quite good It said anyone, anyone making concrete judgments on the two youngest players in our side making their second and third starts in all competitions this season respectively needs to question if this is the right sport for them to follow Hard words but fair words I would say and that takes us nicely into the discussion of our youth players and I know you're itching to talk about a few of our kids and, and in particular some of the reaction there's been on Twitter to some of their respective performances we're talking of course about Sar, Skip, Tanganga, Sessignon and Hill who uh, all had mm. starring roles to varying degrees um, and there Absolutely. have been some strong words on social media about all of them
2: so I'm going to kind of go one by one Skip first of all mm. the criticism he is oh. getting when he's barely played he's Ridiculous. come off the biggest injury of his career what the hell before his injury he was so good he's come back and he's off on a rough patch He's young, he's inexperienced, he's one for the future, we've seen enough of him to know there's a player there, but he's playing once every blue moon, don't hmm. expect him to pull up trees just like yeah. that, it doesn't matter if the Coming opposition is Coming back from an weak. injury as well, he's a kid. we all know how Gareth difficult that is. Gareth Bale went two and a half years into his Spurs career without us winning with him in the team. <laughs> And there was a time when Gareth Bale, one of the best dribblers of the past 15 years of football, couldn't beat a man for toffee because he was so low on confidence Mm. and he was so worried about getting injured again by getting another bad kick. Young players have ups and downs, and the main thing with a player at that age is their mental fortitude to overcome those hurdles. So the criticism of Skip is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. Those Spurs fans should hang their heads in shame. Agreed. It's not like Cessignon, who has actually played a hell of a lot of top-level senior football and not really doing it, but even with Cessignon, and I'm going to criticise myself for a bit as well, you know what? The guy is still younger than Danny Rose was when Danny Rose started being good so there's still time for him to really make an impact mm. I don't see it but you know what it may happen yeah. and he obviously got the assist in the FA Cup game he's, j- he's not really played well in my opinion since football restarted but once again we are still talking about a kid with a lot ahead of him um, Papi Matassar what a gem we've got on our hands yeah. there he is going to be some player he's even though he's still reading he once again let's say he needs to bulk up but he's clearly got great touch great awareness great reading he gets stuck in I think Think there's going to be a really talented player that I. Some of the things he does are Dembele-esque, mm. and obviously, I'm not going to compare him to our best midfielder of the last decade because we sold Luka Modric a decade ago. But he does do things that Dembele did, and it makes me think that if we persist with him, and I really hope we keep him in the middle of the park, we don't think, ooh, he's got a bit of a talent, let's play him out wide, let's play him as a 10. I really hope we keep him dead centre, because that is the sort of player that you want the game to go through. I think, I'm not saying he's a first team in out, but I think... Two and a half years' time, an experienced Benton Cole with a blossoming Papematasart yeah. would be a complete two-man midfield. I just, I really like what I see. I really like the confidence. I really like, you know, what I always say about midfielders. I love that he's taking responsibility. and And there were just a couple of little things he did that were making a mockery of these grisly, more experienced Portsmouth players. That really kind of made me swoon a little bit and think. <laughs> Mm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the rest of you Midfielders
0: <laughs> taking responsibility that's definitely one for Elio Bingo on Pl- the Plus Dave isn't it yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly. definitely one of yours um, the Yaya Toure regen words that I've seen pop up on Twitter on more than one occasion about, <sighs> about, about Metsa, who is of course one of our coaches it must be said um, do you see him as it that is. kind of player I know you mentioned Dembele's comparison mm. but do you think he's got it in him to be that kind of all action box to box complete midfielder
2: it's hard to compare anyone to yeah. Yaya Toure because Yaya Toure in different parts of his career played every rock yeah. with Barcelona he was the sitter who could also drop, split the defense and be the centre back. Yeah. With Manchester City, he was both a deep line player under Pellegrini and under Pep Guardiola, yeah. he was the Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, he was the final pass true. guy, and he was almost he was almost the second striker at one point. Yeah, yeah is arguably the best midfielder we've seen in our lifetimes. Um, yeah, I'm not saying he is, but there's definitely there's an, an argument. argument to make yep. there. So I don't want to compare anyone to him, but Papa Matisar just he's the sort of player that you look at and you say you can be what you want to be if you do the right things and yeah. and that's really really exciting five-star um, potential guess, from the scouts i guess going through kind of yeah exactly going through the player by player thing brian hill not as good against pompey as he was against palace, palace yeah. but he still played well he's definitely our best pressure at the moment it's like he pressed far better than the or son he's got all that life in him and you know what even if it doesn't always come off I like the fact that every time he has the ball he's trying to do something I, mm. I don't mind that he gives the ball away because he doesn't do it in dangerous areas he doesn't hide the pitch I don't mind if he gives it away I don't mind if he goes in a blind alley or makes the wrong choice I love that he just wants to find the best route to goal every single time and I like the fact that he's got the awareness to do the one type stuff link up with people take the ball on half turn he... If he really can maximize his talents, I think likes are we've got a proper player there and we've got the next generation of players to fall in love with. Obviously, if you just heard my defence of him, and you've heard me mitigate my previous criticisms. Yep. Jaffa Tanganga, not young anymore, but he always feels young. He's kind of a mm. defense a defense version of Jesse is <laughs> in that he's always gonna be a youth player. He's actually 25, I think. She wanted to be coming really? to his prime. I think so, yeah. But he's had so little football to date. Mm. I'm beginning to worry a bit about him. I'm just thinking he needs to play regular football. I'm wondering if a slightly weaker league where he'll play all the time, like the Championship or Scotland or even going abroad, might be best for him. I just think right now when his best position is the same as Romero's, who's a younger player than him, I just unless he's happy to be the bit part guy, and I think he's got more about him than being the bit part guy – I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure he'll ever quite make it with us. And that's a shame because I really do like him. I love his attitude. He came off, all right, he's younger than I thought. He's actually 23. So same age as Romero. See, that blows my
0: mind anyway, just that they're the same age. I can't but get I just my head think, around
2: that. I just think that he's a little bit small for a centre back. He's not quite technical for a modern fullback. So he might be a player that needs to play really regularly at a lower level and then might end up back at the top level. But. I don't think he'll ever get the top-level minutes he needs now unless he actually got sold to, I don't know, um, Fulham or someone like that. I just... And it's a shame because I really like him. I I think he loves Spurs. I think he's a local boy. I think he he really kind of puts everything on the line. But I just think the football's coming too irregularly for him to really maximise talent. And the biggest crime of that is when the FA lost someone like Led Reed who really turned reserve football into a proper platform for young players to develop in this country and now reserve football doesn't really exist like I used to actually follow where we were doing in the reserve league table, and now I don't because it doesn't matter anymore and Mm. I think 20 years ago Jaffa would be getting the time that he needs to develop and just now he isn't and and I think he might be one to move on in terms of being able to upgrade the squad, and that that hurts me because I hate saying that about a young player, especially when I just stood up for Ollie Skip in the same vein. But generally pleased with the young boy's yeah. appearances. Glad to see Alfie Devine get his first start oh, yeah. in two years once again in the third round of the FA Cup. I can't even remember if he touched the ball. I think he did yeah. once, but he is a player I expect big things sort of going forward. He's had another sort of good season when he's been fit. He's had a few injuries with the youth and. Harvey White, he's one of those boys, a bit like Ryan Mason back in the day, who's really hung around with the youth, is really kind of working hard yeah. behind the scenes what, constantly. Is he a bit of a false nine he, type,
0: is he? Is he a bit of a kind of...
2: Know, no, no, absolutely not. But that's why I loved it, because we played him in that ah, position in the okay. friendlies. But he's a central midfielder. He's probably right. more a defensive player than an attacking player. But he could... I think he'll be a late bloomer. I don't think he'll ever get his chances early as like hmm. Winks or Skip have. But he's someone that I think could when he's if he hangs around him, if he's patient enough he's got such a good mindset on him that when he's 23, 24 if yep. he gets a chance I reckon he takes and he could end up being an out wide inside forward he could end up being a deep line playmaker he could end up even a left back because he's got a bit of everything he's got a bit of tigerishness a bit of pace yep. comfortable on the ball really good set piece to take him, by the way which I think showed when he literally the kid in the team making his debut went up and took a corner yeah. but he's one that he may flop he may never be the real deal you don't know if you don't try them but I really kind yeah. of enjoy the fact that Conte Conte rewarded him with a few minutes and this brings me on to Jed Spence uh, Conte has just given a lot of young players a bit of a go mm. he's persisted with Hill three games in a row Sars got a chance uh, Skip got a chance Jed Spence and every Spurs fan is desperate to see him on the base of all the good stuff we saw for Burrow and for Forrest yep. Jez Spence just isn't getting the chance. And given that Conte spread it around to other players... Yeah, there must be a reason. Right, it might just be because he has Emerson that he also needs to give time to, who for intents and purposes is only a touch older than Spence anyway. Yeah. But it might just be that Spence isn't quite showing something behind the scenes that Conte needs to see. Mm. And he actually did bring him on and gave him, I think, 15 minutes the other day in the FA Cup. And that, that means that he's probably happier with Spence than he was. But I don't believe... Conte wants to do anything other than win I don't buy into this whole rhetoric of oh, Conte making is making a, a point to the boards yeah. by not playing the guy I think if he thought he would win points with Spence in the team Spence would be in the team yeah. so the fact that Spence got less time than the other youth suggests to me that Conte just doesn't think he's there yet so I'm critical of Conte in some respects but I'm going to stand up for him in that because the proof is in putting with the other youth that got a go I,
0: I just want to make a, a comment on Spence actually I've got a tweet here from the Premier inside I'm not mm. sure how much of this is coming from direct quotes, but for what it's worth, Antonio Conte has apparently praised Jed Spence for his minutes against Portsmouth, and mm. it says that the Italian coach gave Spence strict instructions before bringing him on, which he followed to a T and impressed the manager mm. with his discipline, which we know how important that is to Conte with his automatisms and, and with his what? systems, and and that's obviously an encouraging sign. So maybe it's the start of something new for Spence. I think I think I saw a little bit of that mm. as well
2: because when he came on, I was expecting okay, he's going to start taking people on every time. Is he going to try and whip yeah. the ball into the box? The second he has. Spent he didn't He's do that once inside. he was actually passing backwards yeah. he was passing inside which is not what I expect of him but it showed that he came on when we had one nil lead that even though we were in the dominance and the assertion we didn't want to screw it up and have an embarrassing result like Newcastle did and it showed to me by the way so happy about the Newcastle result because it suggests that maybe they're not the steamroller that they were beginning to look like um, from a league perspective but it showed that he was actually willing to come on and be the mature let's get the win here player not try and make it about himself which is hard for a young player who was used to playing every Mm. week from the age of 18 and all all of a sudden he's a bit part so I did notice that and I'm glad for it whether Conte is going to give him more chances or not I don't know I hope he does because yeah. I think the ceiling for Spence for us not the ceiling for Spence in terms of world football but for us I think and especially us
0: under Conte I think Spence has a higher ceiling than Emerson Royal. So the future is bright in summary um, and uh, I think it's time maybe we, we so. put to bed this whole idea that Conte doesn't believe in youth because you know for one reason or another be it through necessity or the fact that we're playing in the FA Cup he has given some minutes to a lot of young players and in fairness a lot of our regular starters are themselves quite young mm. players so let's hope that translates Absolutely. to a, a brighter future for Spurs be that under Conte or elsewhere but I think it's time we moved on to our preview and it's a very important preview. Mm. Dave you've been patiently waiting for a moment because Elio is in full voice today and that was a really good summary of our youth and i really appreciate it so thank you for for taking us through that but dave dave has been patiently waiting quietly sipping at his (laughs) wine Um, i'm I'm gonna allow you to take us into the north london derby dave because this is obviously a huge game in any season, and I think the Spurs fans think we're particularly terrified this time around. We are at home, and of course, if you remember the last time we faced Arsenal at home, it was kind of the turning point in the top four chase, and we we beat them comfortably, and they kind of crumbled after being in the hot seat for fourth place. And we all know the rest. This season, of course, it is very different. Arsenal have nine goals in their last four games. They're unbeaten in those games. They're top of the league, and they've got some players on great form. We hate to see it. We hate to talk about it, but we have do so Dave what have you made of Mikel Arteta's Arsenal this year have they surprised you I know you've had some strong words about Arteta do you think they can sustain it and how do you see that game going so I have to serve myself a little bit of humble pie because I, I do think
1: that Arsenal are better off than I anticipated yeah. where they would be at the start of the season after their good start yeah Because anybody can have a good start. I'm pretty sure Arsenal have had a good start quite a few few times. And not being where they are when they are. Mm. I mean, we're coming up to halfway through the season where obviously there's there's been a big delay because of a tournament in Qatar. (laughs) But I think their ability to dispatch teams that they should be dispatching without real difficulty at all is very impressive at the moment. It's kind of what I didn't anticipate that that would continue Mm. because. Yeah, there's been an element of flat-track bullying for Arsenal, but they're also getting results when they need to get results and grinding stuff out. Like, For example, I mean, it was a long time ago now, but we battered Arsenal and they
0: beat us 1-0. I remember um, With the red card. You know, wasn't th- it? That's
1: yeah, and that, yeah. that's and that's happening a few times. I mean, the most recent game was a draw against Newcastle, nil nil. Yeah, and that was a great result for Newcastle, and there was a lot of time wasting, a lot of game management, as you would say. Yeah.
0: The Nick Pope special, which was
1: great, because because literally three days before we'd been doing that exact same game management on Newcastle, and they their fans absolutely bust a blood vessel at how <laughs> bad we were, and then did exactly the same thing against against Arsenal yeah. uh, three days later, which is football isn't it so yeah I think uh, that's a minor blip and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they get through the next few fixtures because they've got you but they've also got scum at home uh, they, got, they, they are the got, scum then they've got a gimme okay. don't, don't confuse everything. our listeners they,
0: scum, v- they scum are, on scum they are hmm. every bit the scum themselves do not forget it Scum on yep. scum. There
1: you go. Yep. It's like a third-year university student's bathroom. <laughs> and then they've got an easy three points at Everton, but then they've got Brentford and they've got City. So you know mm. they've got they've got four very tough games in the next. 5 They've got to play Man City League. twice.
0: Let's not forget. Well, indeed. So yeah, absolutely, the title's and that's far gonna, from and that
1: going to be a big point. Yep. I think three things, and you are kind of clutching. You're clutching at straws, but there's three things that I think could go wrong and could mean that Arsenal don't end up with a Premier League title at the end of this season yeah. first Gabriel Jesus isn't playing and he's injured yeah. Eddie Kettier is the deputy as it stands yeah. Eddie Ketier is not on the same level he can score goals but he's not on the same level um, and he won't score as many opportunities as maybe Jesus would have. That's the first one. Mm. He also doesn't one... link play the way Jesus does. No, exactly. Yeah. Jesus yeah. is a he, lot more than just much... goals. He's the at the, end of the, at the end of the story, kind of striker.
2: I actually think that City struggles have been a bit to do with the fact that they lost Zinchenko, and Jesus, yeah.
1: such reliable players for them.
0: Yeah, their so-called backups. Yeah, so
1: mm. Interestingly, tied into that is what they do in January. Because mm. there's been a lot of chat about Mudrick. Midrick, Yeah. And if they sign him and Jesus is fit, hmm. what do they do? Because they've got a really good thing going at the moment with Odegaard and Jesus mm. and Martinelli What's and the play Who is, Who do you way. drop in that situation? Because Mudrik's not going to sit on the bench. He is going. Not um, for 80 million or whatever it is, no. Exactly. 100, so I've heard, what's chapter what are you 1. Gonna, you're going to just ditch Martinelli. And what's that going to do Mm -hmm. to the team balance? So that's a big question mark. But again, I'm clutching at straws. The final one, well, the final one of the bigger picture is Arteta's reactions in the Newcastle game. Anybody could see, those are the actions of a guy that is under pressure and is starting to crack which is very strange. It's new ground for, for them, so isn't early it? in
0: the season. That's the thing people uh, keep... It's,
1: well, it's, it's new ground for them and it's new ground for him because, quite frankly, he's not... He's, he's the first time he's ever been yeah. anywhere near this position because he's never he's been a, a manager. manager. Yeah. So Arteta might be the reason that, you know, they're there in the first place because he's got this project and the project is working. Yeah. But... The project might only be able to take him so far, and then that might lead to him cracking under the pressure. Mm. And then the last one, which is a very minor thing, is you want to hope that Oxford kicks seven shades of shit out of them tomorrow. <laughs> um, and uh, and then they're in a in the much uh, worse state uh, mm. physically for, for the North London Derby. We can only hope. Rolling all of that up into a prediction. I don't want to give you one.
0: You just did <laughs> because You don't want to jinx us. I think you I keep, just did Dave I keep Dave.
1: saying you're going to win And you keep losing yeah. So I'm just going to Kick on my mouth In shirt. fairness I think you, you know called
0: what? A comfortable victory At the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium When we faced them last season So you know what I did Who knows true. Who knows um, Elliot, I, I can't wait to hear Your thoughts on this game And on Arsenal's potential Title credentials In just a moment But first I just thought I'd read out a, a poll That we ran on Twitter Where we asked our followers Whether they're starting To get worried about Arsenal now mm. Whether they think That they could win the league Or whether they mm. will Bottle it and uh, 86% of our followers said, yeah, actually, I'm a bit worried about Arsenal. Only 14% said they're bossy there. Where do you sit, Elio? What do you think of this new look, growing process under Mikel Arteta? How frightened are you of them? And how frightened are you that they'll be lifting the Premier League trophy at the end of the year?
2: So I obviously don't want Arsenal to win the mm-hmm. league. I'll be upset if they do. But at the same time, I've long since got out of the habit of letting Arsenal success or failure yeah affects my emotions particularly yeah. when we play them it's different when we play them losing to them is the worst thing in the world yeah. and when we beat them it's the best thing in the world but you know what if someone told me what would you rather arsenal win the league and you finish second yeah. or arsenal finish second and you finish fourth so both times we're getting into champions league both times yeah. we're not winning the league but I would Arsenal. choose Arsenal winning and us yeah. finishing second. I'm, I'm certain you're in a minority
0: though. In fact, I think we actually did a poll to that exact effect and you would be just, in the strong minority.
2: I just, I grew up always being a supporter of Spurs in a school with loads of Arsenal fans and a few Spurs fans and always having to yeah. have to argue the case for Spurs against all these yeah. Arsenal supporters who we used to glory as the underdog. And, Spurs were a yeah. and you know what? It's so easy to lose your enjoyment of football These Mm. days, because there's so many reasons not to enjoy football. Oh, our board aren't signing the players we want. Oh, our rivals are doing better than us. Oh, we're having a bad season. Oh, we, we haven't won a trophy in age, whatever. It's entertainment at the end of the day. I'm spending yeah. a grand a season on my season tickets, a whole bunch of money on yeah. my Sky, on my BT yeah. Sport. I'm travelling a hell of a long way to go to exactly. Spurs. I'm giving up time. I'm I'm living my life around it. Um, yeah, that shouldn't be contingent on
0: Arsenal's th- success. That shouldn't even factor exactly. into it. Exactly.
2: At the end of the day, like... Mm-hmm. It's out of my hands. I just want to enjoy Spurs. I just want to enjoy football. And that's why I've also kind of tweaked this mindset of even in disappointment and frustration, there's a certain kind of enjoyment, almost like watching a soap opera when your favourite character (laughs) dies in, I don't know, Game of Thrones. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Like, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like, I just... Your enjoyment of football is so much out of your hands anyway, because when the team you support isn't doing as well as you'd like, as we know as Spurs fans, as Dave knows as a Leeds fan, it's frustrating. Mm. But then if you actually then start measuring your enjoyment of supporting your football club by another team's success, oh, Arsenal will win again, Chelsea will win again, Manchester United will win again, then it just becomes so it almost becomes impossible to ever enjoy it. Agreed. You'll yeah. watch football matches and be worrying so much about results that don't even involve your team yeah. that you just won't get into it. So as far as I'm concerned, the answer to the question of am I frightened of Arsenal or do I think they'll it, I don't really care. <laughs> you know what? If they win the league, I'll hate yeah. it, but... They'll have done it by backing their manager, a young manager who we've all laughed at and is suddenly actually proving his worth. And they'll have done it with players that, objectively speaking, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Jesus... These are good players. These are players that play football in a good way. I'd much rather watch them win the league than seeing bloody Danny Drinkwater just play balls d- over the top for Jamie Vardy yeah. to run on to, Or Newcastle frankly, or time for- waste
0: their way to the title.
2: Yeah, or just sports waste <laughs> their way to the title. So, to <laughs> yeah. tell you the truth, yes, I'd hate it if Arsenal mm. won it. Yes, I don't want them to win it. Yes, I'd rather they bottled it. I'm not really thinking of, are they more likely to bottle it, or am I frightened? No. Because... I'd much rather just see Spurs do as well as they can. And if Arsenal do even better... That, all right, we've done better than Arsenal the last exactly. six years. Let Arsenal do better than our season. Let's just make sure that we're always in the discussion. Yeah. And I know there'll be people saying, oh, defeat a Spurs fan, not a proper fan, whatever. I am a proper fan. The amount of sacrifice I make to follow this club, I'm a proper fan. I just, yeah. I'm a Spurs fan first
0: and Arsenal hater second. Well said. And and I don't think anyone can challenge your support of Spurs, Elio. Certainly not anyone that's listened for more than an episode or two. And <laughs> um, I think it's also worth mentioning in complete fairness to some mm. of our listeners, because some of our listeners might be significant younger than us let's not forget i think we've lived through Mm. the darkest days in that regard we we're old enough we were all born in the mid 80s we remember the invincibles the arsene wenger team the omri and Vieira and tony adams and and when arsenal were the best team arguably in europe and when we were terrible so i think we've seen the worst that it can get and obviously we don't want it to return to that but maybe that softens Mm. the blow slightly Mm. on the prospects of seeing it happen again
2: i guess Mm. so but you know what
0: I yeah. just no your point is I totally take your point it shouldn't matter it's one of those things that you can't avoid and you've got to talk about especially when we're about to face them Listen,
2: if we get into the last game of the season and we're comfortably third or fourth and Arsenal have a title deciding game in the last game of the season let's say that I don't even know who they're playing let's say they're playing yeah. Crystal you'll Palace you'll watch their game I will, be the, <laughs> I will go to Crystal Palace with a Crystal Palace shirt <laughs> yeah. on and a mm. Wilfred Zahar dyed blonde haircut <laughs> and my best South London accent. I would love to see all Love I will this. be all
0: I'd love it exactly
2: but yeah. right now I'm just concerned about what Spurs do and Dave I guess is a Leeds fan who in his entire lifetime barring one year of Hand Wilkinson they've been in Manchester United's shadow mm. and he hates Manchester United yeah. as much as you and I hate him. who are also Arsenal. the best
0: team in the country for a sustained period of time and
2: also Dave's lived the majority of his adult life with Leeds being in a lower league while Man United was still very successful until a few years ago mm. I'm assuming at some point Dave had to get out of the mindset of who gives a what the Manx do? I need to focus on my club. And that's how I feel about Spurs and have
0: felt for a long time. Well, let's talk about the game then. Let's talk about what Spurs are doing and what Spurs are doing is preparing to welcome Arsenal to our stadium. So we want to talk about this game. Obviously, you've made it quite clear that your priority isn't what Arsenal do for the rest of the season but you'll have a stake in what they do at our stadium. Um, first of all, I want, to, I want to get your thoughts on the lineup because of course our hand has been somewhat forced by a few injuries and a couple of players unavailable. But I'd like to hear what you would like to see as our starting eleven, and also just how you see the game going and more specifically where you think Arsenal can be got at. Where can we win that game?
2: So, goalie picks himself. We know it's going to be a 3 4 3 or a variation yeah. of all 5 2 3 or whatever. But, like, I, I think for me, goalie picks itself. I think Romero, Dyer, Longley is our best combination. Mm. So, that's what I want to see. Obviously, we have our question marks over Dyer, but I just think right now. Those three are the ones that understand each other best, that understand the goalkeeper best. It's also our best footballing combination. Yeah. I think it has to be Perisic and Doherty because Doherty is a goal threat, Perisic is a assist threat. So absolutely has to be those two. Benton Kuhl may be fit in time for the derby. Interesting. If he is, then him and Hoybio is a no-brainer. Even though I know Do you Hoibier rush him back
0: di- though, given how impressed you were with Saar? I know it's a lot to ask of a young man with not much experience to throw him into a game like this. But would you... It
2: depends. It depends. I think if Bentancourt is a 50-50, oh, he could play with an injection. Then I'd be loath to. Mm. But if Bentoncourt yep. can come in and play like Bentancourt can, run the midfield... Box to box, taking the ball under pressure, bringing the ball out of defense, then I think you put him back in. Mobility is a big thing for the way he plays because it's his ability to get the ball out of defense and take those risks that aren't actually risk for him. The whole Michael Carrick thing Michael Carrick was the most mobile six foot three midfielder you've ever <laughs> seen, apart from well, yeah, it's no, all right. let's not say stupid no. <laughs> no. <laughs> But if Benton Call can play like Benton Call, then he goes in. Yeah. That's for Conte to decide. But I think, yeah, Yeah. you kind of have to. And same with Kulisevsky, if he's
0: fit enough, he plays.
2: Yeah, Exactly. As well as I think Hill has done as much as I like Hill, Kulisevsky, if he's fit, he plays. We've got a week between the two games, so there's good time for that. Two days training each for Benson, Kuro, and Kulisevsky. You throw them in, everything else picks itself, as far as I'm concerned. Now, we're coming off two wins on the bounce. Good. Harry Kane is really on form right now. Harry Kane looks Mm. like Harry Kane right now. Great going into this game. Arsenal have shown a teeny bit of fallibility, not like massive yeah. amounts, but they don't quite look like the steamroller they were before the World yeah. Cup. So I'm not going into this expecting the thrashing a lot of other Spurs fans are pessimistic about. Yeah. I think actually this is huge for both teams because I think a win for us propels us. I think a loss for them will be more than a loss for them. It'll be more than three points no. or one point lost. It'll be, oh my yeah. God. We're still losing here. They'll again, be at least as scared
0: of us as we are of them. I think. I think they, they've There's got a lot pressure on them There's us. pressure, and and they'll remember what happened last time, and they'll know, you know, the old cliche of form going out the window. And we have just come off of a 4-0 win, and we're on good form. And let me say, one thing straight: Arsenal fans are terrified of Harry Kane. I found myself surfing through Twitter the other day, just looking through it, and every so often I'll come across a tweet that's been shared or has been populated to my timeline from an Arsenal fan, and it's interesting to read through the comments because we've all seen the comments on our own posts from Arsenal fans and it's all the trolling mm. and it's the war of trophies and all that but it's, it's quite interesting to see it's easy to forget that some Arsenal fans are actually human beings uh, if you if you forgive mm. me for saying so um, but when you're looking through it's quite funny because you, you almost see yourself in it you think oh god they're, they're paranoid they're being superstitious they're, they're seeing the, the Kane closing in on the record mm. and thinking oh we all know what's coming two Kane penalties Kane's definitely scoring against us and I feel like the players must be a little bit scared of, of that as well it must get in their head we talked about them crumbling last season they're still young players at the end of the day. They've never been in this position. Young manager in the same spot. Dave, do you think we might see Arsenal crumbling a little bit under the pressure, given that this is the biggest game they've had in a while? Or do you back them to see no. it through? Before Dave answers, no. I'm going
2: to preempt it a bit. I don't think <laughs> Arsenal will crumble because I think Arsenal will, and it's almost going to be the exact same place. I think Arsenal will learn from the... "Quote unquote Gary Neville brutalising that they got last season. <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't think they'll we'll win. Yeah. By the way, I just think Arsenal aren't going to be the same yeah. whipped for abuse that they were. But I'm going to let Dave That's answer That's the last good now. thing Gary
0: Neville said in your eyes, isn't it? earlier yeah?
2: maybe the only.
0: <laughs> um, I don't think they're going to crumble mm.
1: all in one go. Uh- <laughs> At the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium next weekend. But that doesn't mean I think they'll win. I wouldn't put money on an Arsenal win. Mm. I think it will be... It depends on what happens in the first Come on, Dave, half. you're, you're on dancing around. I'm
0: going to push you for a prediction. You I'd like to, a score. I'd like need, some cold, hard to, numbers. You need,
1: you need to come out of the blocks. Mm. That's what you did in the in mm. the, in the the game last season. You came out of the blocks, you blew them away, and that's what you need to do again. If you do that, you win. If you don't do <laughs> I, that, then it'll be a really tricky game, which they could easily nick. Well, but we're a second-half team. Absolutely sit on the so, fence. Elio, would you and take no at half-time? No. I, listen,
2: I don't think we're going to blow them away. No, I won't take it. Yeah. I won't. I want us to be winning. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to blow them away because I think they'll have learned from last season, and we haven't got the head of the we had at that point last, you never remember, they just had, had new a couple of big losses yeah. right before. The, yeah. Exactly. So it was kind of a nice time to play them without wanting to take too much away from it. Because you know how... I mean, that's my favourite memory of this stadium, more than beating Manchester City in yeah. the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I think what I would say is... Because I still don't think player-for-player player Arsenal are better than us. I think they're in better Bold. form than us. I think they're having a better season than us. I don't think player-for-player player they're better than us. And I think... I think it's actually two very evenly matched sides that if both were on complete form, you definitely wouldn't be able to call it. Arsenal probably go in as slight favourites, even with a justice injury. Mm. But for my money, this is one of those games... I think there's gonna be goals in it. I don't see this as being a game for defenders. Yeah. I think it's gonna be crazy. I think there's gonna be a lot of emotion. They're gonna have a chip on their shoulder and a fire in them to avenge last season's defeat. We're gonna to wanna to show that actually we're still better than them despite what the league might look like right now. And I think I would not be surprised by something absolutely mad like a 3-all or a 4-3 <laughs> or something like that. I Watch it being a dull nil-nil
1: but yeah, I just... I mean, that's where my money's going
0: four, now. A 4-3 victory with Harry Kane smashing into the lead and overtaking Jimmy Greaves in the process against Arsenal in front of our home <laughs> I crowd.
1: Just,
2: I, I can just really see it. Like, the crowd are always up for it and there's going to be a cacophony of sound. So I just really see that... It's going to be a bit wild and I think there's going to be emotion in both sets of yeah. players. I wouldn't be shocked to see Ascending off again because there often is. And I'm excited by it. Like, yeah. You're not I, dreading it. I really yet. hope we do. No, no. No, no more
0: I'm, than usual anyway.
2: Even when Arsenal were at their peak with Wenger yeah. and we were indulgence with David Pleat as caretaker, <laughs> I never dreaded this yeah. game.
0: I absolutely
2: love the North London derby. Yeah. I think it is the archetypal Premier League game. You know they always go on about the, yeah. a great advert for the Premier League. Man United-Liverpool has so often been a dull game and Man United-Arsenal has often had a bit of fire. I think Spurs-Arsenal is the fixture in the Premier League more than any other because of how bloody erratic, especially in the last decades, both mm. sides are when it comes to each other. Both sides have such a chip on their shoulder <laughs> against each other yeah. that I think it is the archetypal Andy Gray quote, bless his sexist soul. <laughs> um this is a great advert for the Premier League.
0: Like, Bless I just... his sexist soul. Um, my <laughs> my my Spurs bias alarm has been going off ever since you said the words that you think player for player we've got a better team. And I must go to Dave here because this is this is exactly the thing he's here for. Dave, just quickly, how many of Arsenal's starting eleven or re- regular starting eleven would you put in the Spurs team if you can just run through off the top of your head? Before we let Dave <laughs> completely brutalise me
2: i think it's a six and a five either way personally okay uh, that's not
0: outrageous that's quite a walk back. yeah that, you've, you've just you've just backtracked by five
2: <laughs> well no to be
0: fair to you you didn't say every single one of our players is better than every single one of theirs <laughs> did you I don't think that's where you were going at. You just say on balance we've got a better team player for player.
2: I think our front three is still better than theirs if we have the, our first, choice. even with I their first choice and even
0: with Jesus. In I take
2: as well. over Saka. I say I take Kane over Jesus. I take mm. I take Son over Martinelli. Son over Martinelli. I take Court over all their midfields and I take Romero over all their defenders, yeah. and then. That's five, and then every other position, and I'm including Larice versus Ramsell, because actually Ramsell turning out to be a lot better than I yeah. thought it was. But I think the other six positions on the pitch are up for grabs. Yeah. But I do think fully fit both sides, those five players, Bentakle, Kane, Son, Kulisevsky, and Romero, yeah. all get into the combined eleven. It's
0: between Saliba and Odegaard for me as to who would improve us the most, personally. Even though Odegaard isn't there's not an obvious position for him, because he is a bit of a number ten, isn't he? And mm. he wouldn't really fit directly into our system.
2: Well I guess if you'd say would I want us to switch to a four two three one to accommodate Saliba next to Romero and Erdegaard in behind the forwards I would definitely do that those are two top class
0: players well, yeah, i have stealth attacked you with a combined 11 you didn't even see it coming look at that <laughs> I do apologise sincerely right well we can't wait for that one it's going to be a hell of a game I mean there's always talking points and, and as we've, we've all alluded to you can't imagine it being a snooze fest mm. let's hope it's not and uh, let's hope that if there are a lot of goals most of them come from our players in their nets to be specific we don't any own goals either because uh, we've had a fair few of those right any other orders business because i think that's more than enough talking about those scumbags and we'll obviously talk about the game in retrospect in great detail anything else that anyone wanted to add before we switch over to another round of challenge elio
1: i just apologize for completely answering on behalf of (laughs) (laughs) David. i was thinking about whether i could actually add anything to what you just said and i just thought elio's just literally had a conversation about you know Conte, the the doherty conversation about Conte having a system and the players fit in the system as i will what's the point in Talking about a combined exactly, eleven, exactly. Yeah, None of them will know what I've to not, do. There's, there's an argument. There's an argument that that Arsenal have two left-sided defenders who would be a better left wing
0: back than Perisic. But Perisic is doing such an important job for you. Ben White wouldn't work in a back five as the right wing back, would he? Maybe as a centre back.
1: No, but he work as a right hand centre back. But he's not better exactly than Romero, those, Dave. Is he? Is he really better than Romero? He was when he played for Leeds. Obviously. not anymore.
2: that goes without saying. <laughs> I tell you what, you'd take him as a CCB over Dyer and a ball-playing centre-back in the sweeper role. I definitely, I 100% concede mm. that. I, if you could give me Saliba and Ben White for Longley and Dyer, I would bite your hand off.
0: The word "ball-playing centre-back" has suddenly made me remember Football Manager, which has in turn reminded me <laughs> because I've just started a new save in Football mm. Manager as the mighty Preston North End, who are of course the inspiration mm. for Spurs playing as uh, Lily Whites, the original Lily Whites, and mm-hmm. um, one of the early powerhouses of football, who are also our next FA Cup opponents. Interesting. I'm looking forward which to that. I'm
2: so excited to have Preston just
0: because of the romance. Exactly, exactly. So we'll magic of the cup. We'll have a look at that. Let's hope there's not too much magic in that one. Let's hope it's, you got your ticket let's hope earlier, it's a bit of a boring of affair.
2: I, I am actually tempted to apply for the Preston game and go up to Preston. It's a lovely part of the world as well. I love Lancashire. So don't say that too many
1: times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's nice Lancashire. It's it's near the Lake That's District. 16. Moving on. Lancaster is a beautiful old historic town.
0: We're moving on. We're really dragging this, High suicide we? rate in the UK, I've heard. I, I just want to, moving on from that, I just want to <laughs> give a quick shout out. I would much out. rather go to York. I want to give a quick shout out to a man who was mentioned in the Portsmouth program, actually, I saw on Twitter earlier, Douglas Bagley. Douglas, Douglas Bagley. Douglas Bagley, who, who went to, if I'm not mistaken, he went to every single game in Qatar where a Spurs player was playing. I thought we were dedicated just doing a roundup of all of them and actually going through each player and talking about their respective chances He went Went to watch them all. That's dedication. So congratulations, Douglas. I think Doug must have a connection to the club in some and respect a lot of money. because he
2: seems to get places... <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know, but yeah. I enjoy his I enjoy his Twitter because it actually he does seem to get up close and personal and he's just so full of enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, he is a fun tweeter, I enjoy him and there's he doesn't get involved in all the bollock sort of transfer stuff and Enoch in, Enoch out is yeah. continuing the right thing. He just enjoys being a Spurs fan and that's quite nice to see. Yeah. So if you're listening, Douglas, listen, and I don't know that you are, but if you are, hope you are. then
0: we like you, you're our kind of person. Uh, And speaking of Twitter and our listeners, thanks again to all of you who listen. Of course, as always, it goes without saying, but we still like to say it. It's lovely to see so many people tuning in. And please follow us on Twitter at Plus Dave Podcast. Please follow me at Plus Dave Daggs, Elio at Elio underscore P underscore THFC and Dave at Fantasy Dave. Nothing X-rated on that account. I'm sorry to report. Right. Um, Let's move on to Challenge Elio then, shall we? And Elio, I understand you have prepared a swift, slimline, I think of the words. You use given how meaty this podcast was always going to be with four games to talk about. Mm. Episode of elio take it away.
2: So you're going to use your bleeper a bit for <laughs> this because I've only prepared one question. Bleeper
0: or buzzer? Are we going to swear? Sol Campbell. Yes. Yeah.
2: No bleeper. Oh. You're going to have to. Bleep- oh, is yeah, it about? Yeah, there's Is it about Cam- him?
0: Oh dear. This God. entire
2: elio is about Saul Campbell. I'm also going to do something different. I'm going to team you two up. You're not against each other here. I I just want you to give answers to these questions. Confer and see what you think. I like that. Does that mean we can't lose?
0: Or can we both lose? Who knows?
2: Maybe I win. Um, (laughs) Ellie always wins. I always win. (laughs) (laughs) Episode title. um, so I think what I've done here is a bit different. I hope our listeners like it. It's called Saul Campbell or not. Let's say Judas or not. And basically, I've got a bunch of quotes here. Um, not many, <laughs> but a few. And I, I just want you already. to tell me- I love it already. If this is- I want you to guys to communally decide, is this Saul Campbell? Or is this the other person that I've included here, basically? <laughs> it's, I, I can't wait for this. Take it away. Let's have it. Okay. So, quote number one. <laughs> is this Saul Campbell- or is this Muhammad Ali? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am.
0: Now, I know the answer to this because, and I'll tell you why, Nick Dunleavy, who is a man who may well be listening to this podcast, once bought me a birthday card with Muhammad Ali on the front with that quote. Mm. And he had actually cut out a picture of his own face and stuck it over Muhammad Ali's, which is brilliant. So I know that that one is Ali. (laughs) Okay, fine. Well but done. That definitely sounds like it could be Saul Campbell. So, credit roast to you. All right. Donald Trump or Saul Campbell?
2: <laughs> show me someone with no ego and I'll show you a big loser.
0: Well, that sounds like Trump to me. What do you reckon, Dave? I feel like mm. Trump's Trump's quotes are so widely publicised, especially his ridiculous ones, that you feel like you'd have heard that one. But then that probably doesn't even crack his top ten. So I
1: feel, I feel like the term "a loser" is more American. I, I can't picture Saul Campbell saying "a loser." I think all of these are going to sound all of these
0: are going to sound like the other person. That's the point, isn't it? Right? The, some of these are going to surprise mm. us that they're actually so... Judas I, I, oh, think, so. I, think it's, I think it's I think it's the dog. I think it's Trump I'll, I'll yep. go with that we're saying Trump
2: you guys are right yep. so that is in your favour you've got both right so Goods. far what a team <laughs> I'm a winner I love to build I've got great ideas I've got the passion Sol Campbell or Rishi
0: Sunak <laughs> I. the only reason I'm thinking Sol Campbell here is because he wouldn't have three in a row that won. That's that's my only <laughs> that's the only reason that could just as well be both. What are you thinking, Dave?
1: I don't think Rishi Sunak has answered the question that forthrightly <laughs> so far. So I'm going to go with Sol.
0: Sol. Well done. Yeah. You're
2: both right. It is Sol. You're getting them all right so far. But I don't mind that because this is mainly just uh, yeah. an online humiliation I, of the worst human in football. I think everyone,
0: <laughs> all of us win this quiz.
2: I'm. It's a hatchet This shot. is great. I like it. <laughs> you don't need anybody to tell you who you are or what you are. You are what you are. Saul Campbell or John
0: Lennon? <laughs> First time those two have ever been compared. See, I can't work out if that sounds a bit too philosophical and a bit too kind of intellectual, or if it's just faux intellectualism, just you know, trying to sound <laughs> clever, in which case, of course, it would be Saul Campbell.
2: Dave. Say it again, Earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: don't need anybody to
2: tell you who you are or what you are. You are what you are. Saul Campbell or John Lennon? I mean,
0: that's a bit of a nothing statement, isn't it? It could, have it eaten, it could deep, easily be not. like one of one of John
1: Lennon's nonsense B-side, awful songs from like Double Fantasy or something. I um, think it's soul.
0: I think it is soul. Yeah, I
1: think soul. Wrong. Ooh. That one was John Lennon. Ooh, he's got us.
2: He's got us. <laughs> I'm glad you got at least one wrong. I was worried you were going to get them all right with these, and my entire thing would have been wasted. <laughs> I'm from Stratford, East London. I can get down and dirty. I just roll my <laughs> sleeves up and get on with it. Saul Campbell or
0: Lily Allen. Oh, that is that's really difficult. I'm assuming they are both from that part of London, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that won't help us. Oh. Uh, if, if you'd asked me without the context of this quiz, just in isolation, I would have said Lily Allen. What do you think, Dave? I think it's
1: Saul Campbell. Ooh. Ooh,
0: while you guys confer between you, I will go with whatever you prefer. What do you reckon, Dave? Um, Shall we say when in doubt, it's Sol. If in doubt. If in soul. doubt. <laughs> Judas, we're going with Sol. That was Sol, yes. well done.
1: This
2: is a ruthless world, and one must be ruthless to cope with it. <laughs> Sol Campbell
0: or Charlie Chaplin? What? <laughs> oh... I I don't even know where to begin. If you had wider context, maybe it could. I'm trying to think when he would say something like that. So a lot of these quotes I've taken
2: out elements from the beginning of the yeah. quote or the end of the quote. So yeah.
0: to get, remove context specifically yeah, I, to make I it. I can't harder. imagine Saul Campbell just coming out with that in isolation as some kind of vague I don't, I don't, piece think, of I don't think Saul
1: Campbell Yeah, I don't think, I think Saul Campbell has the the level of I don't want to say an intellect, but hmm.
0: I'm not, I'm not sure I could even begin to think Self-awareness of Self-awareness to, Charlie to Chaplin class himself have said.
1: as ruthless. So I'd go for Charlie Chaplin. Go on then. You are correct. Nice. That is Charlie Chaplin. Well done. I think everything's happened to Sol. I don't I, think he's done I anything. I think in
0: fairness to you, Elio, nearly every one of these could conceivably be a Sol Campbell quote, which I'm sure was the aim. I think that was I, the hope,
2: I hope you're enjoying I this. Am. Um, so How is that many more? Sol How many more are <laughs> there? <laughs> There's a few more. Some people need safety nets. Some people need two safety nets. I've grown up with no safety nets around me. Sol Campbell, or recently disgraced Tory peer <laughs>
0: baroness, Michelle Moan. I think that's got Sol written all over it. Sol Campbell. Because he's he is the the selfless, martyr hero that has done everything. I mean, she is full of
2: shit. Oh, yeah. She got a peerage for having big <laughs>
0: boobs and bras. But yes, that is Sol Campbell. Well good, done. That's good.
2: How many more of them? Um, I apologise to all female listeners for any <laughs> sexism in that comments, um... and, and apologies
0: to all Spurs fan listeners for our repeated swearing,
1: and
2: all Tory peers. Actually, enough <sighs> f- them. <laughs> I like to be a tiger roaming the jungle, Sol or Campbell. an eagle soaring the sky. <laughs> Sol, Sol Campbell, Campbell or Mike or Mike Tyson. Oh, uh,
0: it's... Oh, God. All, all I can say is, I'd rather. <sighs> See, you thought it was Sol until I said I'm Mike. You what. Rather than trying to decide which of the two said that, I'd much rather see the two of them in a boxing ring. I think we all would. Yeah.
1: Campbell might have the reach on him. I reckon Campbell Imagine would that. fancy
0: himself, though. I think he'd back himself to, to take on mm. a prime Mike Tyson. He is that arrogant.
1: I'll repeat yep. it just
0: yep. because it's such a
2: great quote. I like to be a tiger roaming the jungle or an eagle soaring the skies.
0: I mean, if you just read that without context, I probably would have thought Mike Tyson as one of my first mm. thoughts, even mm. though it's probably a little bit verbose for Iron Mike. What do you think?
1: Yeah, go with Tyson.
0: Yeah, let's say Tyson. That was Big (laughs) Sol. A tiger roaming the. What a prick. He should release a book. He probably has or will. He's probably released four. It's probably called Why Always Me.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, you guys are doing brilliantly Mm. here. And once again, this is just a roast of the worst man in football (laughs) as opposed to a competition. But I'm enjoying it. I'm hardcore. Growing up in East London, you've got to be a little self-confident, a little bit self-confident. Saul Campbell or Reggie Cray?
0: <laughs> I mean, as far as Saul Campbell is concerned, what's the difference? You know, I mean, basically the same oh, guy. Um, I think Saul. What do you reckon? When in yeah, doubt, Saul. I think so. Saul Campbell. You're going with Saul. You're both going yep. with Saul. You're yeah, happy we're going with Saul. You
2: are absolutely right. That is Saul. God,
0: he's such a hard done by little flower, isn't he? Um, (laughs) How many more do we have, Elio? I'm not in any way rushing you. I'm enjoying this, but how many more do we have? Uh, One, two, three, four. Okay, let's do it. Let's Let's do
2: it. it. I really have to keep an eye on myself because sometimes I think I might say something important. Sol Campbell or Leslie Nielsen? (laughs) That's got to be Leslie Nielsen. That's that's actually quite
0: witty. In a that's beyond Sol Campbell's capabilities, unless he just didn't know what he was saying.
2: Yep. Yeah, that was a bit Groucho Marx-esque. You're yeah. right, that is, yeah. Leslie Nielsen.
0: Yeah. I mean, Saul Campbell, Campbell would <laughs> never say anything. In terms of, yeah, okay, fine.
2: I don't know. I thought maybe the pseudo-intellectualism <laughs> would have uh, made you think would say something. I don't like think that. he's even
0: capable of pseudo-intellectualism, deep, though. I don't think. <laughs> yeah.
2: I came from a working class background. It wasn't easy for me at all, but I worked hard. Sol Campbell, or Labour deputy leader, Angela Rayner. Well,
0: that's a coin flip for me, Dave. I'm going to hand the reins to you for that one. David's probably oh, the most politically minded on the PDP.
1: God. Oh, I don't know about that. Um,
0: when in doubt.
2: Sol, Sol Campbell.
1: Campbell.
2: It was Sol Campbell. Good. The When in Doubt thing's really working. in favour. is. Favor. <laughs> Two more. Maybe I was too nuanced with some of these.
1: <laughs>
0: Wait, was that a Sol Campbell? Quote? <laughs> so <laughs> is your last
1: one going to be, I'm Sol Campbell? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last, yeah, the last one is going to be, I love Arsenal. I bleed red and white. A hotel is so restrictive,
2: you haven't got your own space. Yes, you get the food. Yes, you get everything all clean and blah, blah. But sometimes it's nice to have your own space with your own family. Sol
0: Campbell or Stephen Fry? I imagine even Sol Campbell's family hate him, so I'm going to go with Stephen Fry. <laughs> Are you sure, happy with that, sure, Dave? Let's
1: go, let's, go with, let's go with National Treasure yep. Stephen Fry. Nope, that was
2: Solsey <laughs> Jeremiah Campbell himself. Oh,
0: <laughs> this, is this is the last one. Last one? I saved oh, this one life. for last
2: specifically. This is great fun. My life is a message. Sol Campbell or Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just the mere fact that we're comparing some of these people to Sol Campbell is hilarious. Is he,
1: du- is he double bluffed uh, and Gandhi?
0: My life is a message. I mean, that, that sounds like it's surely Gandhi, but I feel like he's, he's, he's ending Sol on Campbell. that one. He's going to be ending with a flourish. I what think that's so careful, isn't it? It's
1: got to be so... I mean... it you have to we finished it we has to it. be that's a ridiculous comment for Saul Campbell to
0: say I, I, I'll be so upset if it's not now
1: unfortunately
2: I'm going to disappoint you that was Mahatma Gandhi Aww. Aww. You double
0: but you know what you, you fulfilled the intention of that to convince us that Saul Campbell was a self-righteous as <laughs> thinking <Lack laughs> the you lesson. come out with something like Gandhi and we would believe it you did your job there Elio. and Elliot, it probably won't have escaped your attention just for some added context to Dave that this may or may not have been inspired by a similar quiz I did in the, the high of lockdown when everyone was doing zoom quizzes I ran a quiz for Elio and some others that was entitled who said it Elio or Cartman and it was surprisingly <laughs> difficult <laughs> I won't for Elio's sake reread any well, of the quotes they were, nice. They were nice screw you guys I'm going home
1: a score draw <laughs> <laughs> they paint,
2: yeah they did not paint Elio well, in the best 13 light 13 there you got nine correct so well done I so hope that. you enjoyed that. that that is one of my favorite ones I've put together so
0: I love that. Yeah. Well done. And in fact, you know what? I like teaming up with Dave. It makes me much less stressful. And it also makes more sense if it's challenge Elio. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're challenging each other, really, if we're up against each other. Maybe we should do more of those in future.
1: Yeah, so let's just find random insane former Spurs footballers
0: who think they're God. <laughs> Next <And>,
1: uh, <laughs> Ramon Vega.
0: <laughs> we sincerely apologize for the repeated use of that. going to bleach out every single name. time we said it. Um, right? and, and we hope you understand. I, I'm doing the old. editing, so yeah. Um, there was enough regular swearing in that episode. We didn't need <laughs> the, the, the continued names of that horrible man in that time. But anyway, let's hope let's hope we can continue these upbeat spirits into next week and we're not all sitting around <clears> crying <throat> into glasses of whiskey, commiserating over a defeat. Let's hope we can summon up some strength and get a result against Arsenal. And yeah, I was going to go into the transfer window, video, but I think there'll be plenty more time to talk about that. Let's wait <clears> until <throat> we've actually done some business, yeah? We've gone on long enough talking about how Saul Campbell thinks he's Gandhi so let's wrap this one up now but thank you both for another great episode i hope you are all enjoying listening i hope you've enjoyed it. i hope you'll join us next week any closing thoughts before we finish this episode from either of you
2: i mean if you thought they were swearing this week whatever the results wait for the next episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly well look from all of us here please remember my life is a message you stay classy spurs fans and we'll see you next week
1: Oh